0: I'm going to be taking a long break over the summer so that we can prepare to launch season three in September. This is just such a good opportunity to go back and listen to the old episodes. So some of my more well-known guests from season one include uh, Lee Parkinson, who's also Mr. PICT, uh, Jane Considine and also Alistair Bryce Clegg. So get them listened to. Um, I've only got one more episode to record for this season and then I'll be on to recording my brand new podcast, which is really scary, but also exciting. And that's going to be for education business owners. So if that's you or you know somebody, then let them know that it's coming. And if this topic does interest you, then we talk every week on Clubhouse Tuesdays at 7.15pm. So you can find the details at educationbusinessclub.co.uk. So in this interview then, I interviewed Tim Eagling all about creative writing in the classroom and what children really need to be able to write the way that we want them to. So after 20 years in the sector, Tim left teaching in July 2016 to start his own company, which was Time Captual Education. So Time Captual Education are partly historical interpreters and work with the heritage industry for clients like English Heritage. Um, but Tim now mostly works in schools across the country as a creative writing consultant. So listen carefully, get your notepad out for the actionable steps, because they were really good. It's time to get to the interview. Tim, thank you so much for joining me on the Teachers Podcast today. Good morning. Very exciting. We just had a really long chat. We're recording late. Um, <laughs> just, just been enjoying having a chat, really. So we thought we'd record it so you could listen as well. Um So we're actually going to talk about creative writing, but something that really stuck out to me um, when you've sort of submitted all your information was historical interpretation. And I'm just really interested and intrigued to find out what is that?
1: (laughs) Okay. All right, I've got to be really careful here to not go down a history kind of like rabbit hole and and spend all my time talking about this. In a a nutshell, it's really kind of... um, the the posh way of describing historical reenactment it's i'm a i'm a historical reenactor from a hobby point of view but it's not reenactment is a term we don't tend to use reenactment is only if you are recreating a moment a thing you know if you go and fight uh, a reenactment of a battle Mm -hmm. Um, uh, most of the time what i do is not reenactment i'm not being somebody else we're interpreting uh, historical evidence and the information that we've gathered one way or another, and putting it into a presentable kind of format to members of the public or to school kids or, or mm-hmm. to whatever. So it's, um, a kind of the blend between being a, a, an amateur historian or many historical purposes of professional historians. Um, but you know, uh, being a historian and being a, a presenter, uh, in a live kind of format. So it's costumed, um, it's it's like those guys who come into school history guys I tend to call them who come in and do Romans or Vikings or Mm. you know whatever else in school Um, but we do it professionally so I work in schools um, because I'm an ex-teacher and I I, we do history things and English things but we also work in heritage industry as well so I can be found um, hopefully in 2021 at historical sites around the country during the holidays (laughs) Um, as uh, this year we'll be out what are we going to do? We'll have Tudors, Tudor soldiers, at Pendennis Castle, hopefully at Whitson um, in Cornwall, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. we're there and we talk about history, and you kind of live it and love it, you know. So it's, uh, um, and it's it was a hobby um, that I got into after I was uh, I'd already been a teacher for some time, and it's those kind of things of intertwined and enmeshed and uh, I I was able to bring lots of historical interpretation and knowledge into what I was doing in the classroom and that's kind of fed a lot of what I do from a creative writing point of view and an English point of view as well.
0: I find it fascinating especially from um, sort of a child's perspective because I don't know about you but I I find it so much easier to write when I feel like I've lived the experience.
1: Yeah um, that's exactly what we're about from a um, a writing point of view, I mean, I'm an English specialist, which I kind of fell into fairly early on um, in my primary teaching career. I was a teacher. I've been a teacher since the, the mid 90s. Um, and uh, a lot of uh, what we did, especially when the National Literacy Strategy started and uh, post that, we I just found us kind of continuously asking kids to write things they had no idea about. Um, and personally, I like to put teachers on the spot. Um, and try and get them to do the same thing so I do um, CPD and insect kind of like things and training courses for newly qualified teachers and I like to try and put them in a position that we put kids in which is often ask them to write about something they have no no idea about mm. at all, or we spent 10 <laughs> minutes talking about so my favorite thing to do with teachers in a staff meeting would be to ask them to um, write me a story write me a a story in 20 minutes because it's always time constrained about being a practice manager of a GP surgery because my business partner his wife is that's exactly what it is Um, and you then see people squirming in the room and I tend to think that you get the same proportions of adults either zooming off and doing it and they're fine or struggling um, just like you get with kids in the classroom when you ask them to write about being a a pirate or a spy or a cowboy or whatever, you know, because mm. they, they haven't got that experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Thank you. Um, right. Okay. I feel like we should start the real interview now, but I just, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to know about that. I, because I, I, I just, I love history and I think I'd, I'd probably really like that. So I've got a performing arts background. Um, I,
1: get, I get to live yeah. history. I, I I go and live in castles. You know, I get paid money to go and live in castles and be a pirate or be a Tudor soldier or whatever else. Um, it's something that my whole family have done as well. So I have two late teenage kids now who have been in historical interpretation since they were toddlers. Um, and actually it was, they went for a phase. We once went and visited a castle was regular members of the public when my daughter was about nine or 10 and she didn't understand why, we, what we were doing there. Why are we, why are we in this castle in jeans and a t-shirt? That, that's really odd. I need to be in a big, long, floaty, heavy dress, you know? So, um, so yeah, it's been, it's been, <laughs> been absolutely terrific from that point of view. And it's given me a, a, an insight into um, a, a different way to approach teaching, which has been absolutely brilliant. So from that point of view, it's, it's great.
0: Yeah, it's really, really good. Okay, right. So let's talk about creative writing then. Okay. So, you know, tell me more about what you see in the future of improving writing in
1: schools. I think it's, that's a really tricky question in many ways because I think at the moment it's difficult. I've been out of the classroom now for six or seven years and and things kind of move on but that all the teachers i talk to online or when i go with and work with them in school is the fact that i think we are overburdened um with the the detail the minutiae of of writing because that's measurable um and i I worry greatly that all the joy and fun in writing has been kind of sucked out of it because we still have an awful lot of people who are uh, uh, bothered about whether they are using the dreaded fronted adverbials for example you know is, is one yeah. that kind of really springs to mind and as a writer I completely understand that all those things are important but actually what's been interested in this last year especially thanks to Covid has been the fact that the number of people who have had to uh, been at home with their kids and they haven't don't know how to get their heads around these things as well and I genuinely believe that authors out there who are extremely successful in engaging their readers and writing copious amounts of great stories. I don't believe actually that JK Rowling or Tolkien or, or anybody else ever sat down and thought, you know, what will improve this piece of writing now is if I drop in an expanded noun phrase, they kind of know what those things are, hmm. but being able to name them and use them in that way, I don't think is uh, the important bit. Um, I, uh, my, one of my favourite authors is Sir Terry Pratchett, and he said uh, very famously, I think, that um, writing is the most fun you can have by yourself, mm. because it's about creativity and about making up your own rules and and being able to make and build stories. Um and I would like to certainly like to see more emphasis again on drama activities and storytelling and building stories. Um, and, and with older kids, I'm a Key Stage 2 specialist more than anything else. And I think over the years, um, because of time constraints and the pressures of curriculum and all sorts of other things, that we've ended up not letting big kids play. Uh, And the biggest eye opener for me uh, quite a few years ago now was I was doing an observed lesson for my head teacher. Uh, I worked in an outstanding school. Every lesson that when you had an observation, the pressure was really on to make sure it was the absolute bee's knees. Um, And I did this lesson about um, secret agents and we were going to do spy stories and it was the opening lesson for this thing. Uh, and it went really well. I was very pleased with myself. Uh, but, and these were in the days when every lesson had a plenary. And we got to the end, and my head had stayed for the plenary because he'd obviously enjoyed the lesson. Um, and one of the kids in my year six class said, can we can we do this? It was that peachy cherry on the cake moment for me from a teacher observation point of view because the kids were so into it. They were like, can we do this, please? And I said to my 10, 11-year-olds, well, what do you mean, do this? We want to go and be spies. And I was like, "Wow, you're you're too big for playing, aren't you? Isn't this kind of like you know? Because mm-hmm. we all you're all sat in organized, and they were no. We so you know, I wrote a really badly worded letter. Probably rattled it off. It was a Thursday. I rattled this letter off, and the following day, the kids were in school in combat gear or tracksuits. So we had a nice outside area. And it was late November. It was freezing, um, but we went <laughs> <laughs> crawled around in the mud and pretended to be spies. And the writing that came back from that immediately was." hugely better vastly superior to anything else they produced that year because they had that connection with it and it kind of clicked with me there hang on a minute my wife who teaches in reception or year one at that time would never ask her kids to write about going out on your scooter unless they'd all been out on their scooter you know Mm. and ridden around the playground um and we should be jolly well doing the same thing with 10 and 11 year olds so it's kind of like my mission i suppose to try and I don't want to sound terribly pious really because there are, there are teachers out there who work damn hard at making their what they do as engaging as possible but I want to be able to facilitate and help teachers make their writing experience that more more you know interesting and engaging and relevant to the kids and it should be fun um, and sometimes we kind of like lose that because we've uh, uh, you know, we've got pressures, external pressures that, that mean that, well, you're being judged because your kids can't use capital letters at full stops. Or you know, mm, yeah, um,
0: it's difficult, isn't it? We, I think we um, we forget the kind of life experiences that children have had, or, especially if they haven't had a lot of experience with reading. Um, yep. and and being transported to another world but I was just thinking you're making me laugh when you're talking about spies so I used to be um a secondary dance teacher and I re- remember choreographing this dance and it was a little bit to do with spies and I hadn't um like four year nine boys and they like they were really into it really into it and I'm thinking you know even <laughs> 14 year old boys want to be doing that and when you think about it so I was thinking oh that's interesting so teenagers do want to do that hang on a minute do adults want to do that well yes because we've got actors who want to um sort of play that out and what do they do before they get on screen well the research and you know like method acting and a lot of them will actually do it before perform it and it's the same thing isn't it
1: going back to where we started i'm a historical interpreter i i dress up for a living and pretend to be somebody from the past and to achieve that i've had to do a load of research find the right clothes um and reenactment and and historical interpretation is the depending on whether you consider fishing to be a sport or not um uh, reenactment is either the the largest or the second largest participation hobby in the united kingdom you know Mm -hmm. and then if you add people who go out and larp and do live action role-playing and people who do sit around the table role-playing dungeons and dragons that kind of thing of course adults want to play um and sometimes we forget that we we don't have those kind of that understanding of of that inner child in us and because it's a way of helping you make connections Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and especially now actually trying to recover from covid and get out of uh where we've been in this last year when we talk about oh kids haven't had all these experiences they've had even less of them in the last year because they haven't been able to go to the cinema or go to you know even necessarily go and play in the park and go and make dens with their mates in the woods or, or go and visit castles or all sorts of other things um and their experience has been very um yeah kind of passive and at home and sat on their bottom and and linked to a screen um, because I'm, I'm willing to bet even a lot of them still haven't caught up on all the reading they could have been doing. So,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: yeah. um, and I used to think very much, I mean, my 19 year old son, he's, he's, uh, uh, he's doing computer games design at college and he's into video games. And I look at all these video games. I don't have time to play them myself, but I think, oh, these are amazing environments and you can learn and you can, you use all this in your writing, but it's a passive activity that you don't really, take part in in the same way as you do actually mm. physically telling a story or playing a game or going out and crawling around on your hands and knees, you know? So it's, it's something that I, i really want, you know, kids to be able to get more hands on. You just get more of a connection with what you're writing and, and learning about.
0: So on that then, why, why is it so important to be improving the writing experience in schools? <sighs> well,
1: at the end of the day, um, oh, <sighs> my first love in in school and outside of school is teaching history um and as a historian i could uh expand and and extol the virtues of teaching history and why we should teach history but actually when it boils down to it schools are judged mostly on the teaching of english and of mathematics and writing is one that um is always difficult it's because it's it's you know um subjective the quality of writing is subjective that's one of the things about all the stuff that's come in that we now test rather than what you know is no longer tested outside school you can you can test whether kids can use colons or Mm. uh, commas (laughs) or that kind of thing and we can argue about whether we should have an oxford comma or not um whereas you know what has fallen away from key stage two sats um some time ago was the external marking of writing because it was so subjective um but the, we're always going to be needing to have our kids improving their writing. And the one thing that is really important about this is you get terrible writing if there's no experience. You get pretty awful, ordinary writing if you focus on the, um, the, the just the technical things or the lessons on, you know, let's all find different words to use instead of said. Mm. let's expi- you know that was one of the ones that always struck me a, a long time ago I remember having to plan a lesson it was, I was a very enthusiastic early early teacher um right i I had a year five class right we're gonna um do I'm gonna do a lesson all about using alternative words for said because that's really important um and then we were reading the line the Witch in the Wardrobe in, in kind of shared reading and in class and the rest of it and one of my kids quite happily pointed out after one reading session going do you know what Mr eaglin C.S. Lewis hardly ever uses any other word apart from said you know (laughs) and it's that that thing but what he is doing he's telling a great story yeah and uh, I think to get writers and to improve it's all about giving kids that connection that understanding to about what they're being asked to write enables them to actually do it um, and giving them the time to do it as well and I've worked with – I could, I reckon normally I've split a, a class roughly into three groups when I look at them um, and when we're analysing writing. You've got – and it might be four, but on the whole, it's three groups of kids. You've got the kids who are natural writers, and they love writing in the way you get kids who are natural mathematicians or natural artists or, or sportsmen or dancers or whatever. Um, and they'll pretty much have a go at anything um, because, you know, that's what they're into. Yay, writing, let's go. You then got a third of the class who um, like you and they kind of get school um and they know that uh going out the, the deal is i'm in here and i've got to produce a certain amount of writing i don't really know what i'm writing about but i'm gonna have a stab at it um because you know you're an all right bloke mr e let's go for it um and then there are a third of the kids who really struggle with writing they have no idea what they're going to be writing about um, it's not their favorite thing they'd rather be playing football um or they only write because they understand the deal is if they don't do that they don't get to go out of playtime um and uh, I genuinely believe that if we improve the ex- writing experience by giving the kids better knowledge before we start and making the writing connected um, and finding exciting things that are relevant to write about, then your those natural writers fly. Those kids in the middle actually write some pretty good stuff. And the, the mm. kids who are that, that bottom third of, of children don't struggle for... Um, what they're looking for what they have to write they're able to you know because you've got to be in the race to win it haven't you and those kids a lot of the time you're constantly banging your head on the table wondering why they aren't producing a piece of writing my son was always a perfect example he never knew where to start um and so one of the things that i try to do is i try to take away with the kind of things that we go and take into school we have story starts. We, we, we give the kids stories. I, when people say to me, what do you do for a living? I pretty much describe it now as, oh, well, I go into school and I give kids stories to write. Um, mm. It's the way I kind of see it. So, And I want to take the, the pain away for the, that one third of the class and actually make it a, you know, a not-so-unpleasurable experience. And I really want to be able to give those kids who love writing that, that kind of vehicle to write absolutely anything. you know. Mm.
0: Wow. Thank you. Okay. I feel like you've, you've um, really answered this, to be honest, but you know, <laughs> cause it kind of just comes through, but you know, why are you so passionate about it?
1: Um, I I'm just me, I'm an irritatingly perky kind of chap. I think you're fine and things that I get into, um, I am, um, I kind of get, I, I'm really, because of, historical interpretation and and uh, the music that i listen to and teaching and my family background and the people i know i know i come to contact with lots and lots of passionate people um and i'm actually what i'm most passionate about is people being passionate about the things and i don't care what it, what it is um i don't get football i'm not into football for example but i understand why people are passionate about it you know i'm into swords and guns that's what i'm passionate about i've you know um uh, i'm not at all interested in going to see a football match but i know that for a price of going a few tickets to football matches i could buy myself a new sword brilliant you know um and uh, or go to a gig (laughs) or that kind of thing um, and I think that's partly down to my parents who were both, both of my parents were teachers. Uh, my father was a head teacher. Uh, my mother was a, a deputy head teacher. And in fact, there's been an eagling teaching in Essex every year since the turn of the 20th century. So for the last 120 wow. odd years, my, and I never meant to be a teacher, um, but it just kind of happened, but my mum is, a, uh, is 83 now. She's a passionate gardener. Um, so when I was a kid, I got trolled around garden centres and 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 stately home gardens in the summer holidays. And I used to hate it. Um, because that was her thing. And my father was a yachtsman, he sailed, and my whole family was sailors. And um before I got into teaching, and I still am, a tabletop wargame. And I'm I just want to, I like primary school to be the kind of place where kids get lots and lots of different experiences to find that thing that really gets them going whether it's Mm. sport or music or dance or drama or art or history or whatever um and yeah so it's been always been an interesting time so i'm just yeah i i of get really into what i'm doing i'm very excited about that and then you have to be very cautious with it because uh, my my dad was a head teacher he was like i said a passionate yachtsman he was passionate about his school he was also an olympic gym coach as well so he was the, the british team manager of the olympics uh gymnastics team in 1980 the problem with all of that is the fact that that ends up kind of sucking the life out of you and and, you know you have to be very careful with it but um and i know that if you are passionate and excited and there are so many brilliant brilliant passionate teachers in this country that the kids pick up on that they're you kids are intuitive and intelligent and they know when you're not into the thing you're doing and I think one of the reasons why I decided that now was a good time to um, just make a thing out of what I'm really really into was because I reckon that I was kind of getting too long in the tooth for some of the other subjects that I wasn't great at or wasn't really excited about and I think my kids a lot of the time will be like oh gosh good science this afternoon and mr egan doesn't like teaching science so we're gonna have a bit of a rubbish afternoon you know can we go out and draw trees please or you know wait come on, let's oh, history ace you know um so and i think it's as a primary teacher it's impossible to keep up that level of excitement mm-hmm. and passion in every single subject you teach um and i kind of like just fell into english teaching in a way that was going to be the thing that i was going to do and then i just have so much fun doing it i'm, I'm a frustrated writer Uh, my hook to most kids when we give them stories to start is look i've started writing this story um and i don't know how to finish it so i need you to finish it for me because i'm hoping that by the time i've worked with enough kids across the country you lot will have all come up with enough brilliant ideas that i'll be able to magpie them and one day actually finish my science fiction story that i started or my secret agent story or the pirate story i've started and actually yeah i genuinely have got at least half a dozen stories that i've got to the point where i've gone through chapter one and two and then um yeah i'm not a planner i'm not very good at planning stories (laughs) (laughs) so my my mission now is give the kids the stories and they'll make up the ends you know so so.
0: and sometimes they do a great job you know
1: Oh, epic. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I mean, they don't always go the way I want them to go. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, all of my stories that we use in school, apart from classics, like we, we expand on the Highwayman and on Beowulf, but most of our stories we do in school are aimed at kids they're, and they're based around kids. So the kids are the, the, the you know, the, the, the characters in the story are our children. Normally of the age that we're kind of pitching that story at so our secret agent story or our post-apocalyptic story survivor diaries we normally aim that at year six year five year six kids so the kids in the story are 10 and 11 years old you know Mm -hmm. Um, and they start off with familiar things so our secret agent story starts on a school trip at the british museum kind of thing Um, so each one of our stories is, is usually about kids because kids can write about kids we, I don't think we should yeah. necessarily be asking kids to write about being an adult because they're seven. They're not, you know, they're kids. Yeah, yeah. So, how would a, a child behave in this kind of circumstance? They stand a better chance of, of you know, doing that.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so, yeah, I, I so passion. Yeah, I just I don't know. It's me really. Um, I think I probably annoy an awful lot of people because you know, even in the last year or so, I've been yeah, disturbingly optimistic and chirpy about things. <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm for that, to be honest, because otherwise you just get into a black hole, don't you? Mm. OK, so if you are a teacher listening now yeah, and you're thinking, oh, this is interesting, I'm interested in what Tim's saying, what, what three actionable steps can you give to teachers to improve writing in their classrooms?
1: Cool. OK. Um, well, there are loads of different possible things, but I, I think uh first of all you need to spend more time before you start writing in the immersion in a genre uh when i started uh, another valuable lesson for me was a, a number of years ago year three is my favorite year to teach in many ways in, in key mm, stage two because yeah. um year threes are young enough to completely be along with you and believe absolutely everything. They can immerse themselves into absolutely what they're doing, but they're kind of slightly old enough to be able to write deeper stuff. Sometimes you have to work a lot harder with year sixes to convince them that, you know, this this is, you know, we're really doing it. Um, (laughs) But I asked a bunch of kids to write a pirate story years ago, and um, I was really disappointed with the results. And the bottom line was... Because I was like, well, pirates, everybody knows what pirates are. We all know what pirates look like. Actually, we don't know what pirates look like at all. Your idea of a pirate doesn't look anything like a real pirate, but that's by the by. Um, but, you know, we all know what pirates <laughs> look like. They're all around us. here in popular culture. Kids should be able to write a pirate story. And universally, I got absolute rubbish from my kids. You know, I, mean, I was so disappointed. And the, I don't think any of them had the bottle because they were only seven. But the look on their faces was, well, we don't know anything about pirates. So we had to. you have to do a lot more in the research and looking at and understanding and, and breaking down what happens in these stories um, to actually write a decent pirate story, a proper pirate story, swashbuckily pirate story. Because a lot of the time, most kids now experience pirates either in the odd movie, but actually more often than not in primary school at that age, they appear in Oxford Reading Tree books or various other books where the pirates been taken out and put in a real world so real world situation and you're not getting a pirate thing at all so Mm. more time understanding the genre you can't write a historical story you can't write a story set in Tudor times unless you understand a little bit about Tudor times you need the language you need to know what people wore and ate and what they did and various other things so um yeah preparation is number one and understanding that genre finding the thing that the kids want to write about anyway but yeah actually having a better idea of what pirates are or what a secret agent does and and actually being able to tell the difference between a spy and a secret agent because james bond is a terrible spy um you know because everybody knows his name for a start um so that's number (laughs) one you know mr bond i've been expecting you what a terrible spy um number two uh i think is the we often have expectations with kids that they're going to write an entire story. I certainly did when I was, you know, we're going to write a pirate story. Um, You've got 45 minutes and you're going to write me a story from the moment we find the pirate treasure map, sailing across the sea, getting to the desert island, having a sword fight, digging up the treasure, job done. Um, And that is a terrifying prospect for Mm. pretty much anybody who isn't that frothing, exciting writer. Um, So what we have done is Um, broken down our stories into episodes Um, right we're only going to write this episode we don't need to go beyond this episode so we're going to write about the storm on the ship or the the ship chase before so before we write the episode about uh, our pirate ship our ship being chased by pirate ships we're going to go and play a game across the school hall with pirate ships or across the desktop Um, so we've got an understanding of how it works that kind of maps out what's going to happen then we're going to go and look at pirate ships and that kind of thing and then we're only going to write about that one thing so we don't care about the start of the story we don't care about what's going to happen on the treasure island we're only writing about this bit now and that becomes an achievable part and then we also do what we tend to do with a lot of my writing projects is i've i write some of the episodes for the kids as well um the dull exposition bits that really you don't need to so the bit that explains how we get from uh london to the bahamas where our spy story is going to finish i kind of do that in a summary kind of episode so you don't have to agonize over that kids because now we're going to write a bit about that bit where we're scuba diving on the on the coral reef you Mm -hmm. know because that will be a cool bit of writing to do um so yeah writing episodes and yeah try and take some of the pain away by by you filling in some of of those episodes as a teacher it's a brilliant way for you to be able to model various bits of writing because you can write the dull bits you know and make yeah. them interesting and, and and do that as a shared experience or whatever else and then my third thing that I'd try and do is as often as possible try and link my non-fiction writing um to my fiction writing when I was yeah planning English and, and being and uh, in the classroom I often found that non-fiction writing could be really dry or or difficult to achieve or or really say me hey oh, oh good right i have got to do two weeks on writing biographies brilliant and um, what tended to happen in those days and you'd have to forgive the analogy now because it's a few years ago but what would tend to happen is you go and get the the uh, biographies of Gandhi, david beckham ginger spice and a couple of other people out at the school library have a look at those kind of uh, biographies and then pick your favorite person and write a biography about it and it <laughs> Nine times out of 10, yeah, the kids, you were going through the motions, but it was a pretty dull piece of writing. Whereas actually what you're trying to achieve there is understanding what a biography looks like and understand how it breaks down. And then we, so we have biography writing about our uh, the bad guy in our secret agent story because they've had lots of different reading resources that, and they found out bits about him anyway and then they can fill in the blanks but the important bit is that that actually fleshes out the story they're writing because they've made up all these other bits and they're you know we've got an understanding there and we've written a biography or we've written a diary entry or they've written a a persuasive piece of writing because they've got to win a competition that's all tied to the story Um, and then that way there we can get Six weeks out of uh, we get a decent half terms worth of English planning, which involves fiction and nonfiction. But everything is connected and, and it becomes that much more relevant to the kids. Um, and, you know, a lot of these things, especially that that last one, the nonfiction thing and connected learning is being done an awful lot um, across the country. I get I, I see that and chat with teachers all the time. But it is that thing where you um, having a reason to write. Um, and, and being able to kind of like make that connection or extend that bit of story is absolutely brilliant.
0: I think as well, like we were talking before, it's about experience, isn't it? So yeah. the more experience they get by writing non-fiction that sort of <sighs> feeds into it, then the more likely they are to really... It, it's almost like they need to get to a place where they don't have to work hard to think about the content.
1: That's that's the absolute key. I mean, one of the things that we do with our story writing is the fact that, uh, you know, Oh, we're going to write an episode. Okay. Well, I've got um, a story. Here's a storyboard. So look, we know what the episode is going to be. And by the time, and again, lots of schemes do that talk for writing. You talk through the story and all that kind of thing. Um, And that ends up being a bit formulaic. I, I tend to feel, but you get to a point where, yeah you, you want to make sure that everybody can start writing and they're not sitting there going i don't know what to write you know you have sessions beforehand where we've discussed it we've played it we've looked at the storyboard you've got the storyboard in front of you you know what the content is and now you just need to concentrate on putting that down into words and putting it on paper and uh you know and then again yeah you, you could take that pain away those those uh, reluctant writers, you write the first sentence and open it up and off you go. You know, so they haven't got the or oh, don't know what to put down first kind of experience. Um, and it's about, so it becomes about uh, a scaffolded approach. But I also like to have that kind of creative opportunity but you can only do that if you know your stuff and you've had that experience and they've got to be real kind of experiences that you then develop when we first started doing this kind of thing when I was still in school and we're going back to my pirates we're right okay we're gonna have sword fights and kids are bringing their plastic swords and then we're going wave them around at each other uh, on the playground because um, watching two small kids have a sword fight is hilarious I, i'm I'm into sword fighting that's one of the things I do and so yeah but unless you then go back into the classroom and go and look at sword fights in films and then expand that by then spending time working on the vocabulary and talking about you know right okay well we need some sword fighting language and all that kind of thing that experience of having a sword fight on the playground was a complete waste of time but especially because mm-hmm. most seven-year-olds aren't actually any good at it, you know. So um, they mm-hmm. can go and do it and have fun and play that. Right, I'm into sword fights, right? Now we need to look at this sword fight from the Princess Bride because it's the greatest sword fight ever committed to film. Right, now we need to work out the language and talk about how they're moving in various other bits and pieces. And we've done all of that. Right, here's our storyboard for our sword fight, which, you know, um, which Time Capsule Education have conveniently provided for us. Um, now mm-hmm. let's write a sword fight. You know, yeah. and that and that way, there you get far better um, writing experiences.
0: So it really is about going into some more detail in the action, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I just really feel my. I, I don't always end up talking about my kids. My son is nineteen now. He has Asperger's. He really struggled in primary school, especially when it came to things like writing. He still does now. He's a, a he's in college doing a. a, a the computer games design course he does now when he has to start writing, because he never knows where to start. And I really, really feel for those kids who sit and stare out the window and absolutely struggle and don't know where to start. Um, so, yeah, my aim is to uh, enable those kids to get make get beyond just making a start and actually writing something that they're really pleased with. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and then because I've found very much that Um, I, I used to be the gifted and talented coordinator in my school. And I was also the English leader. And, and as an English leader, I was constantly being asked, right, now uh, this year's focus, from your performance management point of view, we were going to look at boys writing, right? Okay, so spend a year looking at boys writing. And then, then the following year, right? Well, we looked at boys writing, their results are much better now, but now the girls behind. So we're now we're going to look at girls writing, right? We'll look at girls writing. Now we need to look at the gifted and talented writers or the, the EAL kids who are writing or the, you know, the special needs kids, or whatever else. And after a while, I got really fed up with this because as far as I was concerned, You know what, if you're a quality teacher and you make this engaging, doesn't matter which group of kids that you're Mm. focusing on, they all benefit. So by making your writing exciting and connected and engaging, you're hitting all of those kids without having to kill yourself. Go, I must remember to write my extra thing for my gifted and talented. Nonsense, this is writing. Enable them to write in the first place, and they're gonna fly, you know. Mm. But I've got to make it possible for my special needs kids and my reluctant writers. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to take some of the pain away for them. And lo and behold, they're having a good time as well. And then, do you know what, even then I can then sit down, sit next to some kids and do my own writing as opposed to constantly write with them. Um, And then I can model writing just for the heck of modeling writing and the kids get to watch me write. Um, And they're like, wow, okay. You know, and that's, that's a really important thing to be able to do as well.
0: Yeah, that's a great idea. Thank you. It's been really, really interesting. You're very inspiring and you're very (laughs) passionate. Um, So tell tell us where we can find more about you and also mention about, you know, you've not said anything about TV.
1: No. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, because that's, uh, well, um, right. Uh, first of all, uh, we my my company is called Time Capsule Education. Um, uh, our website is timecapsule.education, dot education, which is a great place to start. That as um, briefly breaks down that's our shop window that legitimizes us really it's got some amazing photographs of us me blowing up things more than anything else time capsule education is only me and my business partner a guy called john terrace um who's a good friend of mine and a, and an awesome historical interpreter um and a builder of cool things um so we are yeah um time capsule education is the website we have um i'm on twitter at which is at time capsule ed uh on facebook uh time Time Capsule Education can also be found at Time Capsule Ed. And um, every now and then I even go and put photographs on at Time Capsule Ed on Instagram as well. But I'm a bit of a fuddy-duddy when it comes to Instagram. So, you know. I'm
0: um, not great at it either. Um,
1: I, I have to rely on my 17-year-old daughter to poke me and go, put stuff on your Instagram account. Okay. Um, and then the other thing that we've got into in the last little while, we also have um, a YouTube channel, which is um, called Story Chest, Uh, Time Capsule TV Story Chest, which we set up during um, lockdown last year. But more importantly, our our way forward, um, which was happening before COVID, is the fact that we are now... um, started to produce on-demand video services and my aim now is to become the bloke who makes schools tv again and not just creative writing things but we're going to be doing all sorts of other stuff too early years maths we've got lined up and um some key stage three english and all sorts of things but uh, uh, at the moment my plan is to try and get our creative writing things turned into on-demand things because actually a lot of schools can't necessarily afford to get us so we travel anywhere in the uk mm-hmm. But, of course, getting guys to come into school is costly. Um, and I, I've had some conversations in the past where I had very animated conversations with teachers who are very keen for us to come and do dragon hunting in their school. Um, and then you say to them, oh, this is all brilliant. And the teacher's like, she's she's really excited. Like well, That's great. I want to book you. And they say to you, um, you know, how much do you cost? And I say to them, well, that depends where you are and how big your school is kind of thing, you know. And they say, oh, yeah. well, I'm um, we're a half-form entry school in a village in the, the wilds of Shropshire and I my heart sinks because I sit there and think, whatever I screw this down to, you're not going to be able to afford us to come into school because yeah, we're yeah. two guys are going to have to spend the night in a night and I hope to blah, blah, blah. Um, or I'm in the bottom end of Essex and I had a brilliant conversation a year or so ago with a teacher who was terribly excited about getting this into do go and do Beowulf in her school and oh, we had the well how big is your school we're a two-form entry school brilliant that probably means you can afford to get us and where are you and she was like we're in Barrow in Finesse and I <laughs> and it's that thing where oh well yeah oh, actually I'm, I'm not averse to traveling we did a week in Leeds last the year before last and then a week on the Isle of Man and all sorts of things but traveling to the other end of the country means that you no, that's another day for us, and all sorts of other bits and pieces, and it becomes terribly complicated. So what I'm trying to do now is actually make our resources available as a video service, mm-hmm. um, and then you still get all the kind of teacher resources, because uh, I'm not about I'm not the history bloke. I used to. We used to have guys, many of them I know, so I won't be disparaging about what they do. But we used to have guys who came into school to do Romans, for example. When they do a day in school, and then the, the day after, you might do a bit of writing about it, and that's kind of it. Uh, and I want a lot more value out of spending money on somebody coming into school. So all of our writing resources and our days in school are a day in school with the Time Capsule team, and then best part of half a terms um resources that we can kind of like provide so there are story resources the story boards the story start but then there are non-fiction resources as well um and ideas for cross-curricular writing and all sorts of other bits and pieces so you get half a term's worth of work out of us rather than just uh the day the viking came to school kind of writing experience we're a lot more than that so our TV resource is going to be exactly the same. Here's a series of videos um, and uh, here's a whole bunch of resources to go with it too Uh, and I was kind of concerned that I was, you know I only had a face for radio but apparently Big Hairy Vikings kind of work on TV as well so from that point of view we're... It's it's not all it's not all about me either as well. I'm I'm desperately trying to get other people to appear in front of the camera as well. And I, I you know I just kind of like turn into other stuff. I want to include schools. I want schools to get on board and tell us what they want from a TV point of view too. I I don't want to try and guess what teachers would find useful in the classroom. I want teachers to be in contact with me and say it would be great if there was a series of programs about, mm-hmm. you know, um, we really struggle with this history or we really struggle doing this. Um, I'm far more interested in making relevant resources for the 21st century than just yeah. thinking up kooky ideas off the top of my head and making a video about it, you know.
0: And this is a point where everyone's looking on social media now, trying to find one of the, um, the images <laughs> <laughs> to see what you look like. Cause it's a podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, if you find pictures of Time Capsule Education, um, it's easy to tell the difference between myself and John because I'm the big beardy one who often gets mistaken for Father Christmas. Uh, uh, John... John is the, the bald guy whose facial hair comes and goes, depending on what historical period he's doing at the time. Um, so, yeah, it's easy to tell us apart. Um, but, yeah, so from that point of view, I'm I'm the hairy Viking. Um, and now when I go and do Pirates in school, unfortunately I don't get called Blackbeard. Uh, I tend to get made into the pirate greybeard. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, dear, this has been um, really good. Thank you so much, Tim. Oh, you're more than welcome. I'm looking forward to seeing um, some of your TV productions. Yeah. Well, the first one is, really good. is
1: the first one is Beowulf. Um, and uh, um, what I'll do is I'll share, share a link with you, which has got samples oh, yeah. of four programs, Beowulf. Uh, there are four videos for that, which is uh, two parts of the first part of the story. Cause I loved storytelling and it's, it's me telling the story. Um, although, Uh, uh, I get people say to me, oh, you're a terrific storyteller and I often have to confess that actually Beowulf is the only story I can tell frankly um <laughs> but um so there are two parts to beowulf <laughs> and then there's a program about vikings and saxons arms and armor and one about the battle of malden which was fought in the year uh 991 in essex so uh, uh which is great fun so i'm going to make documentaries as well so i'll send a link to that you can have samples of that um, um and we're working on the high woman now as well that's that's the next thing for school so uh, um which is really good fun a completely different kind of experience to being in the classroom uh, or being in the school hall, being a Viking. And, and in many ways, the video thing is never going to replace um, telling a story to 60 kids live mm. in your the, in the school hall. But i'm I'm really pleased with them as a yeah you know, it's a pretty good alternative and it does mean that you can shut me up every once in a while um you know as the teacher you've got control you can press pause and talk about that bit and rewind it and go back to the next bit you
0: can also do that on a podcast just so you, you know.
1: can yeah 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 <laughs> but not <laughs> live not live when i'm there in your school hall it just kind like, of comes out of a stream of consciousness
0: <laughs> well thank you so much for joining me it's been really really great it's been
1: great thanks for having me yeah
0: I remember being part of a certain school community frequently when I was on supply and the school were... They were committed to regular trips. The trips didn't have to be far or expensive but it was about getting out and experiencing the world. So the head one said that if we wanted them to be great writers, the children, I'm meaning, um, then we had to let them experience it first and even then I realised how true it was. And especially at that school because it, it wasn't a school where, you know all of the parents would be taking the children to to um, all these places all the time. So it got me thinking about when I was a child. So as a child, my mum and dad took me to a lot of castles when we were on holiday. So visiting the castle at Hastings was one that I can remember. And a few years later, in year six, when we were doing the Friday afternoon quiz, which I was terrible at, by the way, um, and I don't know if you remember, but they were long and thin and fastened together at the corner. So they'd like swizzle round um, it was like yeah anyway so the question about the battle of Hastings came up and it was the date and I knew the answer and it was probably the only question that I'd been able to answer all year and I didn't know the answer because it's the most well-known date <laughs> that everybody knows but it was because I'd been and I'd experienced it and that's what made it stick in my mind Whereas every other day I'd ever been taught, I struggled to recall. I struggled with all of uh, the, the, the memory recall questions. So I just thought that was a really interesting point that we should all consider about experiencing things before we're expected to write about them or use them as knowledge. So if you want to give any feedback about your own experiences, then I'd love to chat with you in the Teachers Podcast community on Facebook. And I'm going to see you next week thank you for listening the teachers podcast is in association with classroom secrets a provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust
1: to find out more visit classroomsecrets.co.uk